Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic channel. As always, I'm Adam Best, joined by the golden voice of Sterling Holmes. It still says Sterling Mahomes, but that was a one, one-time thing, I think. And, of course, producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Sterling, how are we feeling today? I'm good. I'm great. It's a beautiful day outside. I have some banana peppers and jalapenos starting to pop up. I on love my... banana peppers, man. So I'm good. A, I'm a gardener, baby. I shaved my mustache. I'm clean shaven. Things are good, baby. I'm not going to lie. Today is my wife's birthday. And, you know, we had a few last night. So, uh, But I'm going to be a trooper. I'm excited. This is salary cap and this kind of nerdy stuff is right up my alley you want to get to it we've got a good guest today before we get there one quick thing to everyone listen uh listen if you're doing us a huge favor and go to DraftKings, use promo code arrowhead bet five bucks on any sport get 150 bucks back in bonus bets instantly win or lose again DraftKings code arrowhead this offer is available to new customers only we're 200 plus and physically present legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the description for the full terms of the offer and if you already have an account with DraftKings, you can head to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find more betting offers and ways to support the podcast again DraftKings code arrowhead all right so as we all know the chiefs have signed patrick mahomes the league's top quarterback through 2031 that puts them in an unprecedented salary cap situation. So to really get an understanding of how GM Brett Veach can navigate his team building strategy, uh, we wanted to bring in one of the sharpest cap experts out there, pro football focuses, Brad Spielberger. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we're going to get right into it. We know your time is valuable. So question number one, you project Chris Jones to sign an $80 million three-year extension. That sounds kind of low. Are other star defensive tackles kind of anchoring him down, you think? I do think that is part of it. Yeah, I think the deals so far from Jeffrey Simmons have been, you know, and others have been pretty underwhelming. I thought we were going to bridge that gap between you know, the 22 million or so range and the 31 uh, and, and two thirds from Aaron Donald by, by more. Um, you know, obviously, Quinton Williams will come in. Christian Wilkins will probably get in that 20 million range. But yeah, I do. I think these other teams could point to those numbers and just say, Donald is such an anomaly. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. They were trying to convince him not to retire. It's a different situation. It also wasn't an extension. It was just a straight-up pay raise. Uh, so long answer short, I, I get why you're, where you're coming from. I probably wanted it to be higher. I think I even said in the article, you know, I could see it being a little bit more than that. But, but yes, that was them saying, this is still a raise over everybody else. It's just not as close to Donald as maybe you wanted coming into the offseason. The money does not bother me at all. I don't know if the three years, though, where did you come up with three years? Is that is that a three years? Maybe it's a four-year contract, three years of the guarantees. The fourth year is a little bit more fluff. I, I think a lot of folks here in Chiefs Kingdom, I, me specifically, I've been saying, I don't know why Chris Jones takes less than a four. He has a lot of the bargaining power. He's not getting any younger. He wants that security. Why do you think he would go with a three instead of a four? 
Yeah, so for the older player, I guess you can make that argument. For the younger guy on the second contract, they want the shortest deal humanly possible so they can get back to the market and get paid again. I guess for him, what, 29, 30 age range, you would argue maybe, hey, just get that security. But like you mentioned at the top of the question there, if that fourth year is not guaranteed, it's effectively irrelevant anyways, right? It's not actually protection. Uh, I guess it would get him cut and he would get him back on the market maybe a little bit earlier. But but yeah, so I think it is a fair point, though. Maybe you have some partial guarantees or vesting guarantees in that fourth year, and that's how you also convince him. And maybe then you can artificially inflate that that average per year number a bit you know, by juicing that last year, uh, as some players tend to do. All about that juice, baby. Uh, do you think Patrick Mahomes' contract eventually gets reworked? We all assumed that's not the same contract he's playing on for a decade. We knew it's going to get reworked. But at what point do you think that gets reworked? And what do you think the numbers could potentially look like? Yeah, I think it will. I think it's interesting. We're already hearing this offseason that, you know, maybe it gets done. Let Justin Herbert go. Let, let Joe Burrow go. Sit back and then become the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, which at that point would be, I don't know, 55 plus million dollars per year, uh, which is obviously crazy. Uh, but he's obviously also earned every single penny of that. So I think the big thing more so could be, as we've seen with guys like Travis Kelsey, moving some cash forward, right? So he took such a friendly deal for so many reasons, not just the 10 year term, not just, you know, the, all the details that go into it, the guarantees, all that, but simply the cash flows as well. I mean, Lamar Jackson's making $80 million in the first year of his contract this year, his new deal. Patrick Mahomes made about $80 million over the first two new years of his contract. Just shows the disparity in the low earlier cash flow. So maybe it's more so instead of a, an extension, you obviously can't really extend his deal. Maybe it's more just, hey, you're scheduled to make $60 million in 2025 or so, I think it is. Let's move 10 or 15 of that forward, and then we will redo your deal um, maybe in a couple more off-seasons. Yeah, and, and do you buy that he's going to be willing to permanently take a little less kind of a la Tom Brady because he's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars uh, off, his, off his brand, off his legacy from endorsements. Do you think there's anything to that, that he might take a little bit less – as long as it's competitive and his main priority is stacking up championships. I would say as long as it's competitive and the second piece being the rolling guaranteed structure that he agreed to is obviously huge here, right? Where if you're going to convince a player to give you that many years of control, he needs, you know, something in return. And I think the assurances of he's basically uncuttable or untradeable, which obviously no one in their right mind would even consider either of those things for the foreseeable future. But yeah, maybe say, hey, look, I'll, I'll give you less than market rate, but you're always going to have guarantees for me two years ahead of where I'm at. And maybe in 2032 and beyond, that's less of a, you know, surefire, obvious thing to do. And he basically says, the way I'll make up for all that money is when I finally do hang up my cleats, you're still going to pay me that money. I mean, even a guy like Andrew Luck at 29 years old retires, the Colts don't come after any of his money. You know, when you're that caliber of player, the team just lets him keep it. And maybe that's how he says, yeah, you'll pay me below the whole time, but then you're also going to give me, I don't know, $80 million for two years I don't play in, and that's how we kind of, you know, we even up at the end of the day. <laughs> Bobby Vanilla style, baby. Just keep that $1 yeah. million. It'll cash, baby. It'll cash. Talking about 2032 is insane, but that's the kind of player he is. Moving back to the other side of the ball, are we crazy or was Charles Aminahue's two-year $16 million deal one of the best bargains of free agency? 
Oh, I'm with you. Love that deal. I graded every deal in the moment. I think that one got an A or an A minus from a both a fit standpoint and a value standpoint. So A, I agree on the on the number there. With all these players getting paid across the defensive line, obviously Edge didn't have a great offseason, but to me, he's an early down guy. You play on the edge, and I think I like kicking him inside to rush the passer from three and five technique alignments. And, and all of those guys got paid a ton, um, kind of except for him. So I do. I think it was a great fit, a great signing, addressed uh, you know, a need they obviously had. I think Frank Clark was obviously going to be on the way out uh, long before this. Um, you obviously you addressed it the first round of the draft as well, but long answer short, yes. I thought that was one of the better value deals of free agency. It feels like the Chiefs, for the most part, have such a deal on their defensive line. Karloftis, one of their starters on a rookie contract. FAU, no idea how much he's going to produce this year on a rookie contract. Mike Dana is a fifth rounder on a rookie contract. Again, Charles and Minahu, as we're talking about, feels like a good deal in its own right. On the inside, Turk Wharton, not a lot of money. It's Pretty much just Chris Jones with that big contract. How big of an advantage is it for the Kansas City Chiefs having, I guess, maybe their two most talented edge rushers on a rookie deal and then Charles Aminahu with a under-market deal? It's huge, right? Because you are going to spend a ton on the offensive line. You kind of already are at some spots. And obviously, you know, maybe a year from now, Joe Tooney comes back to the table. Obviously, you know, the two draft picks from, what, 2020 with Humphrey and Trey Smith will be getting deals at some point in the near future. So you, you know it's coming on that side of the ball in the trenches. It's it's massive. And not to be all rosy, I'll be critical if I need to. I love the Felix Anaduke Uzoma pick as well. I don't know why some people thought it was a reach or thought it wasn't a great pick. If both of those dudes can produce even at you know a solid above average level, yes, on those rookie deals making three four million dollars a year, I mean Nick Bosa is going to make ten times that amount probably in the next couple of months. Uh, it goes a long way. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want to hit on the offensive line since you brought it up, and that's Jawan Taylor. Uh, A lot of folks in Chiefs Kingdom, myself included, I think it's a little bit of an overpay. I'm not saying Jawan Taylor's not good. I'm not saying right tackle doesn't matter. But if you want an example here, Travis Kelsey plays tight end, right? We know he's worth way more than what he's getting paid. But that position, that's what the market is. So he's paid for that position. Jawan Taylor right now is getting paid like a left tackle or, quite frankly, like Lane Johnson. We can all agree he's not Lane Johnson. Do you believe that the Chiefs overpaid for Jawan Taylor? Or do you think this is just the way the market is eventually going to head? I think you could make that argument to a degree, but I'll tell you, this one was fascinating to me. Um, you know, obviously look at all the PFF data we have, not just grades, every look at data, you know, true pass set, uh, pressure percentage allowed, pass rush win rate, all those things on both sides of the ball. And Taylor did show up well. He's also, I want to say, 24 or 25 years old and has literally missed like a handful of snaps his entire career. So all those things fold into it. Then when I do my free agency, you know, rankings, but also the contract projections, After the first couple rounds, I will reach out on certain players. His initial projection, I want to say, was $16 million per year. I talked to three or four scouts, and they were like, you are way too low on Juwan Taylor. He is viewed as one of the best young tackles 
from a pass protection standpoint, not a great run blocker. The Chiefs probably don't care all that much compared to other teams about the, the split of those facets. But they said he's going to get $18 plus million dollars per year. And that kind of surprised me. But so anyway, answer two ways. In my opinion, yes, a little bit. It is a little bit of projection, a little bit of this guy could play his way into being a $20 million per year player, you know, with strong guarantees, short term, all those things. But the second part is they probably had competition at this price point. There were a lot of teams that thought he was maybe the jewel of free agency this offseason. Do you think he's going to be a left tackle? And that's been the, the main question is we've talked to uh, a former Chiefs center. I don't know if you know Tim Grunard. His sources in Jacksonville basically said he. they all heard said great right tackle. We, we see him projecting as a phenomenal right tackle. We don't see left. Uh, what do you see? Do you, do you think there's potential for him to be a left tackle, or is this pretty much a, hey, he's going to be a franchise anchor at right? I really don't see it. I, I kind of didn't buy it from the start, and, and I was wondering, are they trying to maybe high draft plans? Are they trying to maintain leverage over Donovan Smith or other tackles they're talking to? Because, look, there are tackles you look back historically, guys that maybe played left tackle in college and then you know moved to right tackle. That was not him. He played right tackle every single snap in college, has really never played left tackle, I think a little bit, maybe filling in an injured capacity for Cam Robinson. But even last year when there was a split, Walker Little, their second rounder, ended up going over to the left side and, and keeping him on the right side. So I don't get the full you know, story behind why they did that, but no, I don't. I think he is the right tackle anchor of the future, and I think you're trying to groom some of the young recent draft picks, maybe to kick back over to that right, uh, that left side. Excuse me. Um, uh, Wanya Morris, I think, could be you know his, his build, his athletic skill set, I think could be a left tackle of the future if you give him a year or two to develop. You touched on this, but... Jawan Taylor's weak spot is run blocking. I kind of feel like Donovan Smith is the same way. With those three maulers on the inside, do you think Brett Veach is just saying, I don't care how they run block. I, I, I trust our interior offensive line. I trust Andy and our scheme. Let's just protect Pat. Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, and it's probably not a bad idea, right? You're going to get light boxes against you. You know that you're going to be able to use a lot of pre-snap motion and do different things to make defenses just confused um, and, and so spaced out that if you have some guys on the ends that maybe aren't the greatest blockers, you can bring in some tight ends and run duo, or you can do you know pin and pull with the guards, do different things to just make it so as long as they can kind of set an edge and just you know put their body in the way of blockers, it's probably all you can ask them to do. Yeah, I probably think it is part of the philosophy there. Just just keep Pat upright, and we'll pay you for that and, and worry about the rest later. Sounds like a good plan to me. Speaking of plans, the Chiefs' current blueprint is splurge on the lines and go cheap at corner and receiver. Do you think this is a sustainable long-term strategy, or they're just getting a little lucky there? I think it's maybe when you say sustainable, like, is it, was it by accident or was it by design? Maybe it could be a better like way to frame it. Like, I think they honestly have taken things as they've come. Obviously they went crazy on offensive line. And after that Super Bowl, just said, we're never going to let this be a problem again. Um, so I think that was a concerted effort, but I frankly think the receiver thing, it's just kind of fell in their lap, right? They obviously maybe didn't have a ton of faith in Tyree kill um, off the field and said, Hey, we, we obviously love this guy for a stretch. We paid him one time. Don't really want to pay him a second time. And we'll, We'll figure the rest out later. 
I think it is sustainable, though. I think if you take enough lottery picks on corner in the, obviously, you know, Trent McDuffie, a first rounder, but if you keep pouring investment into the secondary on day two and day three, kind of like they've done with off-ball linebacker, kind of like they've done with receiver with all these second rounders recently, like eventually you're going to hit enough to where with Mahomes, with a Chris Jones, with the kind of the, the foundational pieces, you'll be able to add enough around it. Um, I would say maybe the big interesting one will go back to that defensive line. Can they continue to pay just one guy or maybe is there going to be an issue of, hey, we cannot generate pressure outside of Chris Jones. Do we maybe need to spend a little bit there to, to fix that issue? Since you're the king of salary cap, I got to ask, is the salary cap real? Everyone wants to know. We It always goes back and forth, right? The Saints have always been an example of kick the can down the road. Keep kicking the can down the road. When is it going to happen? I guess if Sean Payton, he probably thinks is real since he left. That was seemed like a main reason why he bailed. But what's your take when people say the salary cap isn't real? So my default answer I go to now, and I probably should think of a better one because it's kind of confusing, but it makes sense to me. It's basically like, The salary cap is real. The player contracts that make up that cap are not, right? So I know that intuitively that sounds like it makes no sense. But basically, like, the player deals themselves are so manipulable, and you can move money around or move cap hits around. You can obviously ask guys for pay cuts, do all these various things. So the elements that make up the larger body are not really real. If money's not guaranteed, teams can get out of it very easily. But the cap is a constraint, right? We talk with the Saints. Yes, they have continued to kind of push the credit card bill down the road. They've also missed the playoffs two years in a row with one of the more expensive rosters in the NFL. I think going into this year, look, somehow a 33-year-old Cam Jordan, a 33-year-old Demario Davis have been like elite NFL players. Like eventually those things are not going to continue. And then you're looking at an even poorer roster without the financial resources to fix it. So I think the answer is yes. But I do understand why I feel that question uh, on a decently regular basis. <laughs> Before we get you out of here, we're going to play a quick little game, end or extend, rapid fire. Quickly give us your opinion on these names as we list them and tell us whether you think the Chiefs should extend them or end the relationship. Let's start with cornerback Legere Sneed. Uh, and uh, just be a quick answer because they've just invested so many draft picks in, in that spot. Wow, you just made a lot of people very angry, Brad. Congratulations. It, it, it's pretty easy to, to rile up Chiefs Kingdom sometimes, but I think you just did it. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the next one, Willie Gay Jr. Same answer. I, I mean, and because you, you have Nick Bolton and, and you've continued to add second, third rounders in that spot, just keep it pushing. How do you like Drew Tranquil, by the way? How do you like that pickup? Because that, that, that seemed one of my, my favorite pickups, kind of under the radar that the Chiefs made. Yeah, I don't get why even a division rival wouldn't give more than a one-year flyer. Good coverage player. Really, last year was his first time as a full-time starter, but good in space, good zone coverage defender. And now, yeah, with him, with Chanel, like you have four legit off-ball linebackers you can ask to do different things. I think it was a good value signing as well. Yeah, and they have they have the thumpers. They have the freaky athlete and gay. What I thought they were lacking last year is a solid coverage linebacker, and he kind of solves that for him. The next one is center Creed Humphrey. Got to extend. Uh, I mean, should become the highest paid center in the NFL, probably in the near future, uh, and will deserve every penny of it. Good, good. See, we, we can all agree there. See, you made everyone happy now. All right, number. you better make this guy happy for me. For me. See that Mizzou? Mizzou. Oh, gosh, it's hard. It's, it's, it's shifting. Mizzou football right there. Okay, I'm a Mizzou small. guy. I'm a Mizzou guy. I don't understand how these angles work. It's reversed. Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton. End or extend. 
I think he'll extend, and I think the market there, you mentioned, he is that early down thumper. I don't think he's going to command top of market money. I think he's going to be clear what his role is, um, you know, get a good deal, get a solid deal. I think he's a leader. I think he's an important piece of this defense. But I would extend because I think it will be more kind of middle-tier market, and, and that you can stomach. Yeah, as long as it's nowhere near that Fred Warner contract, I'm cool with it. The last one is, and this is a kingdom favorite, but I, I'm torn on whether we should bring him back or not eventually is Trey Smith. Yeah, I would say extend again. I mean, you, you obviously, there, there's some factors there, right? So the, the draft capital and some of the health concerns and just concerns about overall, like are going to drive that price down. And that might sound kind of, I don't know, a, a, a poor way to look at it, but whenever you can get surplus value on a veteran contract, you should do it. And he's a very good player. I think he enables you to do a lot of different things in this offense. I, I would keep Trey Smith around as well. I want to ask one final question before I let you go here. The wide receiver market, I I was saying after last year's boom where Christian Kirk was getting all this money and wide receivers all over were getting this insane amount of money, right? And then this offseason was a little different, not quite the talent level, obviously. Juju Smith-Schuster was the highest receiving yards-wise free agent hit the market, but Alan Lazard I thought was going to get a little bit more. Jacoby Myers didn't have a big market. Uh, Frankly, OBJ maybe had the most robust market, and that's a dude coming off of multiple injuries to his knees, not ideal. It seemed like the wide receiver market, for the most part, corrected itself. Where do you see that market heading in the future? Yeah, absolutely contracted, and I was off. I was kind of too high on a lot of those, not because of my opinion. I just assumed the, the money would keep flowing, right? So I think the biggest shift you're going to see now is because teams recognize these number one caliber elite receivers are going to ask for crazy, crazy money and get it. What we saw was the number two receiver is going to get kind of washed out. So it, it, those guys like a Judas Schuster, like a Jacoby Myers, Alan Lazard, etc., they're going to take less because it's not going to be requisite with their production. It's going to say, hey, we got to balance you with how big these deals are for these guys, and they're going to kind of take the hit as a result. That, I think, will be the – like, look, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, et cetera, they're going to keep top of the market. It's that middle that's going to get pushed down a little bit. Do you think that's a byproduct of the college game pumping out receivers at a higher number? Uh, I think wide receiver is just as important as tackle uh, as edge – but there's, there's not the scarcity. I think number two and number three receivers kind of grow on trees. Is, is that the issue here? Why we're going to see number one receivers get $30 million contracts and these other guys kind of get you know under market deals? Exactly right. Yeah, you see guys now in the, in the first three rounds that can come in and produce right away too, right? So it's not only is there a complete lack of scarcity to you know surplus those guys, but you also don't all the time need to develop them for two, three years before for them to produce for you. But obviously, yeah, the, the number ones, like you said, like those guys are different. Um, but yeah, I think it's a huge factor in the equation as well. Well, Brad, thank you so much for for uh, coming on. We got through a ton of stuff in twenty minutes. Be sure to check out his stuff at PFF and follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Again, it was a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sorry to Legereus Sneed. <laughs> no, it, it's it's kind of their special sauce. So I think they they have to keep leaning into what works, right? Hey, right. Take care. All right. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you, man. Uh, that was great. That was outstanding oh, stuff. And I love to talk about is the cap real or not. The cap is real, but the contracts themselves, those are more malleable, if you will. It's a very fascinating point. And again, it's why the Saints – 
they keep kicking the can down the road, but eventually they're going to be up against it with these veteran players. A complete rebuild will be on the horizon. The Chiefs, why I keep saying they're in such a good spot. The biggest contract they have is, is Mahomes, and that is one of the most team-friendly in the instance of being able to maneuver around it in the NFL. Then you have these bargains at cornerback. You have these bargains at edge, at these positions of premium positions, right? You're seeing the wide receiver market for the most part, the wide receiver one market boom. The Chiefs don't have that. They're able to be more um, free. They're able to do different things, and hopefully that does come with an extension for Chris Jones. I would say that also the cap is more real for some teams than others based on their owner situation, on their, on Correct. how much cash they have, how much they can put in escrow, how aggressive they're wanting to get. And I think the Chiefs are kind of middle of the pack there, which is, which is you know, uh, which is fine. You'd love to see them be more aggressive at times, but also you're right. The Saints had that credit card bill maxed out. And uh, at some point the bill becomes due, right? Well, unless you cut it up and throw it in the ocean, I don't think they can track you that way. I think if you just cut up those credit cards, throw it in the ocean, I, I think they can't find you. And please don't take anything I say as financial advice. Yeah, th- that uh, that ownership group and uh, what is it? The, the Benson family and Mickey Loomis are going to have to do the uh, the end of Fight Club and like blow up the uh, financial in- institutions to get out of that uh, I'm not recommending terrorism, by the way. I, I do love the fact that Brad was very in on Charles Aminahu. That That's what you like to see is you see the analytical side, you see the contract side, and then you see the overarching side of this. You see a guy who is going to be more productive just with the more the higher snap count, the higher snap share. You see a guy who um, it felt like every genre, the film people, the analysts and the contract folks all enjoyed. If you want to look at a breakout player, I think Charles Aminahu is the guy that everyone keeps pointing to. Yeah, there's a lot of unity there. And what I really think they brought him here for is on third down, he's going to kick inside next to Chris Jones. And with those 36-inch arms and his crazy bull rush, he just he just kills guards. And I don't know how you're going to deal with those two guys inside on third and long. It's going to be a real joy to watch. All right, let's get into the next segment. You came up with a fun one here. Let me hear it. The Chiefs versus the NFL. Didn't know what to name this, so I just went with that. We're going to rip through the uh, the roster, starting with the offensive side, and kind of decide how highly Chiefs players should be ranked against the entire league. So obviously, let's use Patrick Mahomes as an example. He's number one overall. But if you move on to Isaiah Pacheco, it's going to be a little harder to place him. Uh, so let's dig in. I, I have some um, some placeholders here, and I, I want you to you know push back as hard as you want to on all of them. Uh, I want definitely the chat to weigh in. This isn't an easy thing to do, and we're going to try to be really objective. You know, we're we're going to try to take off the uh, the rose colored glasses here. So Isaiah Pacheco, I have him as a top twenty running back. Mm. Too high, too low. Man, top twenty is pretty darn high. It is. Hmm. All right. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I want to break down and go through every single player. I think top twenty is fair. Top twenty, you're putting him around J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, uh, Javante Williams, um, Miles like Sanders. They, they more in the in the teens. Well, you're not putting those guys above. 
Uh, Travis Etienne, Damian Pierce, Kamara, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, McCaffrey, Henry, and Chubb, Joe Mixon, if we're going to throw him into the, uh, into the equation as well. I guess Man. part of my take here is that the shelf life is not long for these players. So Derrick Henry, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off the bus. Dalvin Cook, we already saw a massive decline in efficiency last year. I would even say Joe Mixon. He's kind of a volume player this year sure. I, at this point. I, I wasn't that impressed with him last year. At some points, I was actually more uh, impressed with Samaj P. Ryan. So it's a little bit of a projection. I think the pushback on Pacheco would be, we need to see more blocking. We need to see more receiving. He needs to be more of a complete back before we, we kind of move him up ahead of some of these bell cows. If, if, if you're taking contract in consideration, I'm saying easy top 20, but if we're not taking contract in, into consideration, we're just going skill level. I, I will say he's 20. I will say he's anywhere from 19 to 21. Okay. So I think it's a very, I think you're right. I think you're in the right ballpark right here. Yeah. And we're going to do this in a vacuum. Don't worry about salaries. We're just talking about pure talent. And with Jarek McKinnon, I ranked him as a satellite back because I think he's almost you know how we've accepted that there are different types of receivers at this point. You know, receivers are almost like a basketball team where you have your, your point guards and your power forwards and everything in between. Jarek McKinnon is such a different player from guys like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Isaiah Pacheco. He has a very particular set of skills. I guess I'm going with the taken reference there, but... We have a very it, lack of skills. One he, is uh, the Liam Neeson voice. I, I, you're going to have to, you know, take that back to the workshop, I think. But I... <laughs> I admire I admire the courage to put that out there. Yeah, McKinnon, he is basically a receiving back who uh, sticks his neck in there and blocks on third down. That's basically what he does. He, he's kind of like, you know, James White would be an example. J.D. McKissick, I think, is another good example sure. of a guy. Um, I, I think for sure top 12, if you're going kind of a scat back or a third down back, I think Mc, McKinnon's easy. Uh, top 12, I, I would say top seven, uh, top five, maybe if we're just talking third down backs in totality here, we're not counting Austin Eckler or these guys who play a lot on third downs. We're not counting McCaffrey. If we're talking just third down backs, I think he's top five. I think McKinnon brings a lot to the table in that, in that, um, in that instance. I think JD McKissick's up there as well. Uh, he was with Washington for a while. Um, James White was obviously a great name you brought up in your, uh, as well, um, Aaron Jones. Where do you where do you slot him in? Because Aaron Jones seems to fit a lot there with with AJ Dillon being the first and second down guy. It's yeah, tough. I, I think he's I think he's an all purpose back. You know, I I, I don't want to dock a guy like McCaffrey or Jones just because they're out of this world catching the rock. You know what I mean? So uh, McKinnon, his efficiency is off the charts. But I wanted to be somewhat glass half empty here because he does get hurt a lot. He is in his 30s. You know, he doesn't have a super long track record of playing at a high level. He's always had flashes. And I mean, the flashes we saw last year from an efficiency standpoint receiving, he was right there with Christian McCaffrey. So, but the thing you have to remember is part of that is the system, right? We've seen guys like Damian Williams shine in the system. Uh, and uh, other, Daryl Williams is another example. I love Chris right in the chest. This is where the Chiefs fans are right now. You bet your ass it is. We're talking about third down backs, baby. It's the offseason. Cut us some slack. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a helpful exercise 
when, you know, most of the Chiefs kingdom is solely focused on the Chiefs players. So I think sometimes it's good to step back and say, okay, how good are these guys really against the rest of the league? Yeah. Creed Humphrey. This one's easy for me. I think even Brad went there, top two center. It's him and uh, Jason Kelsey. Uh, I know there are other guy, uh, great players like Ryan Jensen and Frank Ragnow, but uh, I just think Creed, uh, he's been actually PFF's highest rated center since he came into the league, allowed one sack. Easy, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a top two center. He ain't two. I, I think he's. I think I personally think he's he's a little bit above Jason Kelsey right now, but I'm not going to argue hard over it. Um, it. It's clear cut those two guys, and then the rest. Those two guys are head and shoulders. It feels like above the rest of the league. Yeah, and I think Jason Kelsey, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, easy oh, one yeah. of the great players and personalities, and just pe- frankly, people. In, in this sport. And I mean, Chiefs fans owe him so much because I don't think Travis Kelsey would be Travis Kelsey without big bro, but the torch has been passed to Creed Humphrey. I totally agree. Now, Donovan Smith, I have him as a top 20 left tackle, just left tackles. So left tackles only. So left no tackles Lane Johnson. So you got what? Trent Williams, Laramie Tunsil, Andrew Thomas, Christian Derisau, right? For uh, Minnesota, Jordan Mal- Armstead, Jordan uh, Jordan Malata for the Eagles, Tristan Wirfs, Rayshon uh, uh, Slater, Rayshon Slater, uh, Sewell for the Lions. Colton- Sewell's, Sewell's a right tackle. I think. He's right tackle. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, Colton Miller for the Raiders. Uh, Ryan, what's it? Ramshek. I always blow his last name for the Saints. Uh, Ronnie Staley, David Bakhtari. I'm trying uh, to think. Falcons. Um, I, I think probably top twenty is is fair uh not above probably Taryn armstead um i think top 20 is fair he's probably above maybe garrett bowles um braxton jones for the bears he's a young cat i think top 20 is about fair i i think the the, the range of outcomes for him this year is going to be astronomical he might be the worst he might be top eight um, if he bounces back to what he was the year prior, he's probably top eight, top 10. If right. last year was any, any indication, he's bottom five. Uh, Donovan Smith has one of the widest arrays of outcomes, and we have to sit back and watch. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking for your left tackle to be such a Jekyll and Hyde player, but that's exactly who he's been. Uh, Jawan Taylor, we talked about him earlier. Obviously, Brad was very high in his pass-blocking chops. I have him as a top six right tackle, and that's basically a projection based solely on last year. And the thing I want to mention about Taylor is I think you have to give him a mulligan. Really, the entire Jaguars uh, roster on that Urban Meyer year, one of the biggest catastrophes in recent NFL history. And he, uh, he got on a good offense last year, a good coach in Doug Peterson, and uh, really pass blocking. He was, if you look at uh, his win rate there, he was one of the top 10 guys on true pass sets. So I think this is a little bit of a projection, but I'm pretty high on him. Yeah, I think top five is is probably fair. 
or top six. You have Lane Johnson, Ryan Ramchick, again, the guy I always blow for the Saints. Um, Worfs, Sewell. Worfs, I believe, is moving over to left tackle. Uh, That's right. So I'm Which I don't, with, I don't get, you know, just Sewell for sure. Uh, you're probably looking at potentially Makai Becton from the Jets if you can ever stay healthy. Um, Talk about projection. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Moten's really solid for the for the Panthers. Brian O'Neill for the Vikings. Uh, I think he's probably better than Mike McGlinchey. I think that was a huge overpay for the uh, Broncos. I'll say top six is right for Juwan Taylor. And again, that's with a little projection, but I think top six with upside for top three. Yeah. Is it an overpay? Is it not an overpay? Who knows? But I thought Mike McGlinchey, who yeah. I'm just not a fan of. He plays really high. I think he benefited a lot from that system. Uh, I think Denver is going to have buyer's remorse there. And Jawan Taylor, I could see him next year at this time. I was saying he's a top three, top four right tackle. I could see us saying, you know, he's just kind of top 12, similar to what we said about Orlando Brown Jr. Maybe, maybe a little warmly in retrospect. Maybe he's more like top 15, Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, this is another easy one, Joe Tooney. I have his, him as a top four guard up there with with uh, Zach Martin and some of those guys. Yeah, I, I think top four is completely fair. Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson. Um, there, there's a guy who, who's a guy for the um, the Browns. Falcon. Yeah, yeah uh, Batonio. Uh, there's a guy for the Falcons that's really really good as well. Uh, yeah, Chris Lindstrom for the Falcons is really. They good. They just extended him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Whew. I'll say top five. I'll say top. Who are you taking out? Are you taking out Lindstrom? Are you taking out uh, uh, Batonio for the for the Browns? I think Martin and Nelson are there. Yeah, um, Nelson had a down year last year. Actually, he did. He did. I, I want to give Tooney extra credit here for being an Iron Man, being consistent, and also how many of those guys can kick out the left tackle? I, I'm thinking Nelson and uh, Zach Martin for sure. Uh, the rest of them, I highly doubt that that's a possibility for them. Yeah, I'm going top five, and I'll say four. I'll give, give me give me top four. Okay, so another another one that was right on there, Trey Smith. Probably going to make some people angry here, but just trying to be. This is all guards, not just right guards. Um, top twenty. Top twenty feels about right. Wyatt Teller, Elijah Vera Tucker, Shaq Mason. Um, I would say top 15, man. I'd go, I'd go top 15 for, for Trey Smith. For all guards, I'm going top 15. Yeah, he, he had a little hey, bit of- angry, drunken German. Thanks, baby. See, look at that. He had a little bit of a dip during the front of last season, but I think part of that was due to injury, right? He was dealing with something like an ankle, and he looked really good down the stretch, so I'm not going to argue with you there. Kadarius Tony. Now, this is probably the biggest projection in this entire list. But if you listen to Andy Reid and Brett Beach and kind of read between the lines, they're projecting him as a wide receiver one. So calling him top 30, top 32, is that, I mean, we're basically saying he's in worst wide receiver one in the league territory. Yeah, he's not. He's not there yet. I'm not going there. He, is he better than T. Higgins? You got to start going through wide receivers. I mean, T. Higgins is like top. That's that's one team that has that. He's like I, top, I, I don't 15, know. top 15. I don't, is he better than Alan Lazard? 
Oh, I mean, are you are you putting him over the ceiling? Um, the ceiling. I, I know mean, we're his not going ceiling. ceiling. We're, we're we're not going ceiling. I mean, that, well, that's so easy. Is projection, you know, it's some a projection. I, I I'm not going top thirty. Someone has to be the number one target for. Patrick I think Scott Moore has more targets. Again, I think Scott Moore over over. over I love Kadarius Tony, but I got to see it. It's we, Missouri, we've baby. Seen, it's we've a, actually it's seen it. state. It's a show me state. We, we've show seen, me more than twelve snaps a game. I'm I'm a high on Tony. I love Tony. He's, the upside is great. But you're not putting Sammy Watkins there when Sammy Watkins was in his prime because Sammy Watkins couldn't stay healthy. Show me. Okay. But he has shown you more to date, shown all of us more than Sky Moore. Sure. That's a fact. So you have to project with Sky Moore as well. So you're also saying that Sky Moore, I have him as a top 50, 60 receiver because I think we have seen more evidence of Kadarius Tony having some dominant traits and having that that elite ceiling, even though I think the floor is he gets hurt and never does anything here. He, he just can't be – I can't put him top 30 because so many teams have two dudes I'd put above him right now. Um, Mike I Williams not, – I would not put Alan Lazard above him. I mean, Alan okay, that's Lazard fine, but, but that's is a floor player. So. Okay, Garrett Wilson, you're, you're for sure taking above him. Uh, let's just say um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, you're probably taking above him. Um, you're, you're, I'm Michael De- Pittman Jr. I'm, I'm trying to pick guys sure. who are in in that range. Devonta Smith, I'm taking above him. And Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and AJ Brown. I mean, and like DJ the- Moore, I'm taking above him. Uh, Calvin Ridley, even with the layoff, I think he's Christian he's Kirk. More- you're taking above him. Uh, Devonte Adams, J- Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, I don't want to go through this entire thing, but he's yeah. not top thirty, my guy. He he's a very hard player to project because if we were sitting here a year from now in mid June. And you told, and someone told us that he's a top twenty receiver. I wouldn't have a hard time believing that if they told us he's only a top one hundred receiver because he couldn't stay on the field and they kind of used him as a gadget player. I would also, you know, I would also believe that he's a very hard player to pinpoint at this moment. Let's move on to Sky Moore. I said top fifty or sixty. I think you're a little bit higher than that. Yeah, uh, I think top six is about right. I, again, I, there's so many good wide receivers in the NFL. Saying you're top six is not a bad thing. No. I, I, again, we, I could go through the list. I don't feel like going through it because it's going to take us 12 minutes and it's gonna, it's not going to be enjoyable for anyone. But I think top 60 is about the exact spot you would put Sky Moore, 50 to 60 range, right there with George Pickens. Um, I, I, again, I think he's going to have a, a better year than George Pickens. The efficiency numbers last year were right in line. He just didn't have the opportunity. Uh, he's behind Deontay Johnson. But I, I think top 60 or so is about where I'd put uh, Sky Moore. And if you think about it this way, most offenses, their base formation is 11, three receivers. And what's three times 32? You're looking at, you know, around 96. 100. Yeah, you're looking at around 100 receivers. So, I mean, if you're top, even top 100, that's a guy that's seeing the field a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, you wouldn't even have like a Demarcus Robinson in the top 100. MVS, I'm a little lower on. I think he is kind of the quintessential wide receiver three field stretcher type. That's kind of what he was last year. I think that's what he's going to be this year. He can be more in a pinch like we saw in that Bengals game when other players were dropping like flies. I, he just hasn't shown us a full route tree. Unlike Moore and Tony, he's had enough chances to show us who he is. And I just think we know who he is. Yeah. I think it's fine. I, I like Marquez Valdez Keelan. He's a good dude, by the way. That that charity thing Very he did was dude. awesome. Raised over 200K. Um, 
that was a really cool thing that he he put on. Uh, really quick question. I see Bumpa. Always appreciate you in the chat. You're, you, you love your support. It says, how do you say that he's better than Pickens? Pickens had triple his production. It was just the opportunity. Uh, if you look at the efficiency numbers, which again, you're going off some projection here, looking at some of the analytics, which analytics in football is really difficult to project sometimes. I get it. But Skymore's underlying projection numbers, given the same opportunity as Pickens, he would have produced more. The difference I, I was, have those numbers off the top of my head. I mean, his yards per out run was 1.5. Pickens was 1.3. And then according to reception perception, his success rate against man, zone, and press, all three better than Pickens. So if you look at what the Steelers do, they kind of throw their young receivers to the wolves. They put them right out there, give them a lot of snaps. That's always how they do business. And then they, they usually trade them, let them walk. You know, they're not going to be there for very long, so they want to play them right away. The Chiefs do not do business like that. They kind of put the training wheels on the receivers. It's a very difficult offense to learn. There's a lot of option routes. Andy wants these guys to know all three positions. So I think it just came down to opportunity. And if you if you kind of even, you know, level the playing field, so to speak, and look past the highlights from Pickens, I think Sky Moore, uh, in my opinion, has a brighter future. Yeah. Again, it's all going to come with opportunity for Sky. Yes, it's projections, but I'm projecting Sky more again. I've already said multiple times, I think he's the leading reception at wide receiver, not Travis Kelsey, receiver for the Chiefs, most receptions. Uh, that's why I think the bump is going to, you're going to be very surprised with how good Sky Moore is this year. That's my, uh, that's my take. Uh, but Marquez Valdez, I think top 75, I think I'd feel more comfortable with top 100. Uh, I would feel way more comfortable with top 100, but I think he's right there in that range. Do you give him a little extra credit for being one of the guys? I mean, we know when you're looking at things like GPS tracking, he is one of the fastest players in the NFL. Not many players in this league can lift the lid and stretch the field like him. And what if he and Patrick Mahomes kind of get on the same page a little more, a little more this season? Yeah. I mean, speed's great, but you got to show more. I, Let's be real. Darius Hayward Bay. John Ross is the perfect example. He's you not just a wind sprint hell, guy. Maybe, but you got to – I like him. He's I more like than a wind sprint guy, though, right? He's not Jalen Guyton in, in, in the, for the Chargers just out there, you know, running you know running 100s. Sure. No, I'm with you. No. And again, MVS showing that when dudes went down and he was the wide receiver one, he stepped up. That was a great sign. Now, let's just see if that continues. Um I'll say he's right around 75, though. I he, think that that's pretty fair. You know, he surprised me in that game. There was a play where he went into orbit motion and had a nice little, you know, McCole Hardman-like like route. And then there was that other play where he did a kind of possession receiver thing and stuck the ball out and got that um, pivotal conversion I think a lot of people have, have forgotten about. But was impressed with him. But I, I just – most of the season, we did not see a lot of versatility from him. This is the hardest one on the list. I'm really struggling with where to put Travis Kelsey. You got to help me out here, brother. Don't even joke. Don't even, because you know, there's those seven people in San Fran right now who they're talking about George Kittle still. It's absurd. If you're still talking about George Kittle as the best or best tight end in football, I'm going to tell you this put down the crack pipe, put it down, step away. You don't need to smoke it anymore. You're too high. It's Travis Kelsey, okay? We're done with this. The whole thing is over. It's Travis Kelsey. If you want to say who's second, have fun. Have at it, Mark Andrews, Travis, uh, um, Mark Andrews, um, George Kittle, 
Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, and Kyle Pitts ascending, you know? I don't give a hoot. But you're fighting for second, not number one. It's been done. Again, put down the crack pipe if you think it's anyone besides Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, if you look over the past seven years, his numbers are basically Mike Evans. I mean, that is incredible from a tight end. Not just the fact that he gets over 1,000 yards, that he does it basically every single season – Kittle is a great player. I Phenom- love George Kittle. Phenomenal blocker. He's an animal in open space. But a lot of guys look like animals in open space on that offense. Not taking anything away from him or Debo or Ayuk or McCaffrey, but Shanahan is as, as good as they get at scheming guys open and, and producing yak. And consistency is part of the equation. Travis Kelsey is an Ironman, knock on wood. And, and George Kittle can't, can't stay on the field. He yeah. cannot stand the field. I love George Kittle. He seems like a great dude. He always makes me laugh. He seems like a, a guy I would love to grab a beer with. He seems like he would be in a uh, really greasy cover band. Like that hair screams, I don't know, man. I could see him in Motley Crue, like a Motley Crue cover band. I could totally see it. Uh, it doesn't have the locks for Sebastian Bach and Skid Row. It's not even close. Um, he kind of looks like Macaulay Culkin to me, which Joe Burrow also does. It's like if if Macaulay Culkin, Macaulay Culkin uh, kind of went off the rails. It, it's kind of what he looks like. I like George Kittle. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's just not Travis Kelsey. It, it, or, or if Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, Macaulay Culkin uh, did human growth hormone, maybe. Yeah, there we go. There we go. A little HGH. A little Barry Bonds action. It makes his dome will, get bigger. Yeah, we'll get to the defense next week. That's going to be, a, a, I think, a little bit more interesting but obviously the Chiefs have a very good offensive line. They have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I read today that they are one touchdown away in the playoffs from Gronk and Brady. Can't wait until they pass them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think then we have the conversation not about Kittle and Kelsey, about Gronkowski and Kelsey. I think we're already there. We're talking about the consistency, the fact that Travis Kelsey is continuously putting up these numbers at his age. Again, the same age as Rob Gronkowski. Again, I believe Kelsey came to the NFL, was it a couple of years after because he was longer at Cincinnati? Got, I think he got kicked off the team. I'm not mistaken. And then he had um, an injury when he came in. But, but, but either way, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been the pinnacle of consistency. He also missed his first year, Travis Kelsey. Um, but you're yeah, talking about a guy like one snap and his knee exploded. But you're talking about a guy who's been the pinnacle of consistency year after year after year. That means so much. Again, I don't always enjoy these. Uh, you know, who would you rather have? I'm always like, depends on the system. Like, would I rather have Kelsey or Gronkowski in this system? Give me Kelsey. Now, if I'm on a run first offense, who would I rather have? Maybe Gronkowski. Like, it just depends on the system. It's so hard. I, I I never liked that argument of who would you rather have or who's better, who's best. They're both great in their own right. Don't need to tear one down to bring the other guy up. Oh, I mean, Gronkowski is a phenomenal player. Uh, just one of the funnest players to watch ever. Complete goofball, great personality. But I think if Kelsey keeps doing this, the longevity of his success really is going to put him on the on the tight end throne, in my opinion. Does he have to get past Tony Gonzalez? Does he have to get past those yards? I mean, I think that's part of daunting. Tony, Tony's career was just 
he played a long time. Ooh, Same yeah. with Antonio Gates. And there's something to that. But like we've argued before, I'd rather have Jamal Charles than Frank Gore, right? So, you know, how dominant were you? How much much of a, a matchup nightmare were you? And then team success, it, it plays a little bit of a factor. Mm. The thing with, with Tony Gonzalez, I will say, is Tony Gonzalez didn't play with Mahomes. Tony Gonzalez didn't play in the same era as, as, as Kelsey. Right. The beginning of his era was a little different. And he also was the best tight end. I think he was better than Antonio Gates. No one's debating that. It's tough, man. It's very tough. Both are phenomenal players. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Don't be mean to, to Tony G. Accept him as a chief. It's way better to be accepting than to push people away. He's Yeah, he had those sayings and those stupid bleep he did in, as a Falcon. Forget about it. That dude's a chief. I'm extremely here for that. I think we latch on to the one kind of slight of Chiefs Kingdom. We kind of did it. We kind of do it with the Honey Badger as well. I mean, it's a very emotional thing, giving your heart to to a team and then having to turn the page. Uh, I can't really imagine what they're what they were feeling in those moments. Uh, and they both did a lot for the kingdom. Tony G. And if you look at the Chiefs, I think it's there's no question best tight end grouping over the history of the franchise. Kansas City is undisputed in that category, right? Oh yeah, incredible. I mean, who even comes close? It's incredible. Um, Man. Mark Andrews and and what was it, Todd Heap? uh, uh, (laughs) Shannon Sharp finished up there. Shannon Sharp finished there, yeah. Yeah, they didn't get the best Shannon Sharp years. Those were really in in Denver, of course. So I'd have to think about that. But actually, do we really have to think about that? Because Tony G is top three. So is Travis Kelsey. You can't beat it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We're very lucky, very lucky. But that's all we've got for you guys today. We're gonna keep trying to bring guests on, keep the summer fun and, and informative. I mean, it's it's kind of a you know it's kind of a struggle. This is the toughest month of the year, I would say, to to do this. But we hope you enjoyed it. Until next Wacky Wednesday for Sterling, for Richard, I'm Adam. Go Chiefs. <laughs>
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.